Wonder about the future and how you'll be working and learning? Welcome to You in 2042, the future of work, with your host, Danielle Wallace. Hello, and welcome to another edition of You in 2042, the future of work. Joining me today is Bev Middleman. Hi. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your program. I think this is great. Um, I've been working in the professional training and professional development world for uh, more than 25 years right now. Um, currently, I am the Director of Learning uh, with AGAL Canada. I'm very proud to be with this organization. Uh, for those that don't know about AGAL Canada, they are Canada's leading organization for the 2S LGBTQ people and of course issues. So our organization does quite a bit of work around research, awareness, legal advocacy, and of course education, which is my focus within the organization. I love that. Thank you. And really thinking about that focus of education, there's been so much change in learning and development. If you could peek ahead, what do you think the next 22 years may bring us? That's an excellent question. I think before we peek ahead, we have to take a look at where we've been. So uh, I have worked in a number of organizations over the last 25 years, um, some smaller private organizations, some quite large ones, um, and also the federal government. Uh, and, you know, in the last at least 12, 10 to 12 years, my work has been focused in the digital front you know, digitized learning, uh, we can actually recreate some of the dynamics that we have in a physical classroom. We can recreate those dynamics um, for a live synchronous class. So, uh, you know, I've been doing this work for so long um, and it was an uphill battle. And then COVID hit and COVID changed everything because all of a sudden, there was no longer a choice. Are we going to do it in person? Are we going to do it online? Everyone was forced to do things online. So companies now had to do things online. The schools had to now deliver their educational curriculums online. And so uh, it was a really, really interesting shift to see um, this sort of immediate change take place. Again, some of us have been working towards this change for years and years and years, um, but this was an imposed change and everyone needed to adapt extremely quickly. Um, and so, you know, we learned quite a bit coming out of this, right? We learned uh, what really does work online, what doesn't, what can be recreated in a digitized environment. And most importantly, which is, heavily supported by the research, we learned that really the effectiveness of training always comes down to the motivation of the learner. So the modality is certainly something to consider, but if a student, a learner wants to learn something, whether it's in a face-to-face -face classroom or whether it is um, in you know, a digitized environment, the fact of whether they wanna learn it or not will dictate how effective that training is. So that intrinsic motivation remains at the heart of what is effective. And that hasn't changed. Our research has shown this for decades and that truly hasn't changed. So 
if we're now going to take all of that and project into the future, I would say that we have to continue to focus on motivation, right? We have to continue to be timely, especially when we're dealing with um, adults, right? So adults want something that's timely in the moment. Give me something that I can use right now um, that's relevant to the work that I'm doing. We've all experienced being thrown onto trainings by our HR departments or our employers, things that we didn't feel we needed but we had to do it to check off a box. And we know that we don't pay attention to these things because we haven't defined them for ourselves as something that we need. So that motivation to learn isn't there. So I think looking into the future, this concept of motivation will become even more important. Um, I think that employees uh, themselves will focus more on defining what their own professional development plans are uh, and build that confidence to go to their managers and say, these are the, the skills that I want to build. This is what I think I need to be successful in this organization or to advance in the organization. Um, so I'm going to put forth this as my needs and I'm going to be motivated because I'm identifying this for myself. Uh, and so I think that's going to continue to be very important. Um, and then, the, you know, the, the question of modality keeps coming back. Are we going to continue to do things in a digital world? Are we going to do it face to face? And I believe that there's room for both modalities, um, well, and other modalities. Um, and so I actually believe that we're going to, uh, in the next 20 years, see a refinement of this duality. Uh, like a hybrid. We've also been talking about blended learning for a, a decade and a half, but I really do think that that is the future, um, especially coming out of COVID where everything was succinctly online. Um, and so I do think we're going to take what we learned in that digital world and mesh it um, in a more refined way to in-person settings. So to answer the question, I think motivation is going to continue to be huge and blended learning. That's that's where I see the future. Yeah, it's as if motivation becomes that central sun that is always there. It always has been there, but always will be there. And then reading it, aiding up from that is different modalities. And as you mentioned, that refinement of those modalities as they're meshed together really to meet that future learner needs. You also touched upon some of the skills, uh, learners themselves, be owning their own learning paths and looking at what skills they think they need to get ahead. What type of skills do you think people will need in the future? You know, all of the research in the last decade or so is, and, and I believe that this still stands, is really talking about the importance of soft skills. Absolutely, individuals need to arrive in the workforce with a number of specific um, skill sets to be able to perform specific jobs, but it's the soft skills that really determine whether an individual is going to be effective um, and work well within an organization. And this isn't new. Organizations have been doing things like personality tests and focusing interview questions on soft skills for some time right now. So, you know, we'll take what happened in the last 18 months and with COVID. This is such a prime example. The entire world needed to adapt at lightning speed. Right. So the ability to adapt and the ability to manage change critically important. And those that were able to adapt fared much better 
um, from an employment standpoint, from a mental health standpoint, from a physical health standpoint during this whole pandemic. And we all know this, right? We know that each one of us has friends who, for example, lost their job and then spent 18 months on the couch complaining that this was a terrible situation, and it was. And then there were others that adapted quickly and decided to pick up a new profession or they decided to do something else for their mental health. So that adaptability is absolutely critical uh, in the workplace and in our personal lives, which if you ask me, I think are meshing more and more together. There isn't that huge delineation between our work life and our personal life, especially as many of us continue to work from home. So that's that's one big gray zone. So we talk about adaptability and change. Um, the skill to be able to collaborate with others, again, not a new skill, but it is a skill that uh, I think is underrated. So the ability to seek input, to understand that input, and then to be able to, ref to sort of reframe it into a strategic idea that can then be operationalized. This is huge. Um, so again, collaboration, uh, working interdepartmentally, if we're talking about a workplace environment, it's very important to be able to understand and seek out the opinions of your colleagues and others who have different thought processes from you um, and allow that to enter into your critical thought patterns to decide, okay, now that I have all this information in front of me, what's my best way forward? So that collaboration is is a big piece in my mind as well. And I do think lastly, we've noticed, of course, you know, that things move extremely fast in our world, more so than they did. You originally talked about 20 years ago in 1998. Uh, and I, I was working in the field in 1998 and things did not move as fast. And you know, I, I think many people will speculate what is really at the core of this. Is it because, you know, social media and everything's so fast and, you know, we don't have the same attention span, but that is a reality. So we have to be able to operationalize our projects quickly. Um, so some of the methods that we were using in terms of project management, sort of like, you know, old school waterfall methods, you do this and then you move to the next task, you move to the next task. We don't have that liberty anymore. We're doing multiple things at a time. We have to work at a pace to be able to produce curriculums uh, and to and to get these programs up and and to our audience quickly. You know, no, you don't have four months to develop a curriculum. You know, it has to be done fast. So, so that's definitely uh, the ability to work quickly. And and this, this is, you know, to work smarter, right? Where, where am I going to put my focus? Part of that is understanding the tools that you work with, right? So these, these tools are always evolving. Like, for example, if you're using a uh, an authoring tool like RISE. So in order to work quickly, you have to understand those tools extremely well. So that, you know, as a, as a designer or someone who's working in the field of learning, you have to continuously keep yourself abreast of what these new tools are. So when you're given a mandate to author something, you know how to use the tool already. There isn't there isn't a huge learning curve. You know, it's going to take me three months to learn and three months to do this, that. We don't operate in that fashion anymore. 
So um, yeah, that's that's what I would say the 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 future sort of looks like, and what those skills uh, are are necessary to be successful in this particular industry. You make some really good points there, and I particularly like the idea of the agility and the ability to work smarter with that base foundation of knowing your technology table stakes from which to springboard upon all these other soft skills that are so critical. I'm also curious your thoughts on the idea of motivation. You spoke about that at the beginning of this uh, podcast. How might that play as a soft skill that people may or may not find as critical, a critical skill for the future? It's interesting. I think those of us that actually understand the principles of motivation fare better. Right. Because we understand what it is we are seeking as people, you know, what drives us and then also what drives the people around us. So, you know, we always delineate motivation in, you know, between two categories, intrinsic to what's internal to me and extrinsic, which is external to me. And for a long time, we believed, I guess, in the management circles, and this has been debunked. But for a long time, it was thought that, you know, extrinsic motivators would make you know, folks work harder, that it would bring them satisfaction. And what are those extrinsic motivators we're talking about? We're talking about salary. We're talking about benefits. We're talking about perks. We're talking about, you know, um, days off, like th- those types of things that managers could give to employees. And it was thought at that point in time that that would make them work harder. We know at least for the last, you know, 10, 20 years that this is not the case. And even though we have the research to prove this, of course, there's still some circles of managers that believe that I'll give this individual a raise or an extra few days of vacation, and that's going to motivate them to work harder. Um, Not at all. In fact, um, most people who work in the learning and professional field are motivated by what I call uh, motivated by achievement, which is uh, entirely intrinsic. It's it's a more it's a more subtle uh, sort of motivation. So when when your employer demonstrates that they entrust you to deliver something on time, that they entrust your what it is that you're proposing as a solution, that they entrust you to work directly with their clients, that they entrust you to the point where they're going to actually invest in you to develop your skills even further. All of these things are so much more effective uh, in in developing that intrinsic motivation for an individual who's working for an organization. It goes back to to the soft skills. It goes back to the interpersonal skills that, you know, that you're able to demonstrate when you are speaking with your boss, when you are speaking with your colleagues or you're speaking with your staff, if, if you, in fact, have staff. So those interpersonal skills are super important. It really ties well into what you said before about these soft skills, but also the idea of motivation and being motivated to learn. So with everything you said, it really does become this intrinsic motivation and this need, whether it's for achievement or or such, but this own innate need for an individual to improve their skills, to seek new ideas, to better themselves, which is holding now as well as in 2042. 
Yeah, 100%. There, there's some really basic concepts around psychology. Humans actually do things for two reasons, right? Either it brings them pleasure or they're trying to avoid pain. Those are really the only two reasons that humans do things. So when you understand that really basic concept and you tie it back to motivation, so why would I learn something new? What is that going to bring me? So either it's going to bring me pleasure. Like, for example, I started taking a new dance class. I love it. It brings me great pleasure. It's a lot of fun. I've also, for example, taken uh, other uh, trainings, I guess, or things that because I knew that if I didn't take it, it would somehow have a negative consequence on me. So maybe I wouldn't get the promotion or maybe I wouldn't be able to perform. And of course, that would affect me because I'm motivated by achievement. So that's the I'm trying to actually stave off that pain. So when you understand that human behavior is really that simple, um, the question of motivation becomes much easier to understand. And it is the underpinning of how we learn, especially for adults. And I can have our listeners really take away that idea of the center core of self-motivated learners in this future duality of how training is delivered, maybe in different modalities. And all surrounding that is these very critical soft skills. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.